My thesis or proposition for the presentation is in the form of a question drawn from the psalm that I had hoped to do a thorough exposition of, but will not be able to do so. It is, it is also based, that is the proposition, is also based on the assumption that you are all familiar with the upcoming referendum and aware of its historic and far-reaching implications. If it's one time, beloved, that you need to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God which is God's, it is now. Here's the theme that I have for today. What should the righteous do? It's in the form of a question. It's taken from Psalm 11.3. It says in part, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Of course, I don't have the time to do an exposition of this very relevant psalm, but I wish you would read it in light of where we are with this referendum. The point is this, though. The bottom line of the psalm is this. Even though the enemy may be threatening, do not heed the advice of friends or foes who say, head for the hills. Be reminded that our help is right here, right at hand. He's the Lord, and we have his word with us. So stay strong. Defend what remains and rebuild what has been lost. And so my thesis or proposition is this. The biblical foundations of our traditional Judeo-Christian culture are seriously threatened should this Amendment 4 be passed as is. Please listen carefully to every word I say because they have meanings that I cannot expand on. Because of this, we as Christians must prayerfully consider what should the righteous do to either delay or better yet, prevent this from happening to our foundations. First then, here is the proposed amendment to our constitution. The question to be asked is this, do you approve of the Constitution Amendment Number 4, Bill 214, 2014? Under the proposed changes to the Constitution, it would be unlawful to discriminate based on sex, which would be defined as being male or female. Yes or no? What? Would the righteous do? What will the righteous do? Second, how is this amendment in any way connected with same-sex marriage? Which, if it is, should be the major reason for our concern as Christians. You see, some are saying this concern is far-fetched, and the proposed amendment has nothing to do with this at all, nothing to do with same-sex marriage. And so why bring it up? Aren't we stretching it to the somewhat to the, bring same-sex marriage into this proposed amendment. It just isn't there. Why bring it up? They're focusing this question on the church, on the Christians, trying to bring up something that is not necessary. But my answer to this is very simple. We are concerned about it because it was raised by both the prime minister when he introduced it in the House of Assembly, and also because of the Constitution Commission who made special and specific reference to it in their recommendations. 
Hear the words of the Prime Minister then, when he presented the amendment in the House. Quote, Bill 4, Bill 4 seeks to end discrimination based on sex. This involves the insertion of the word sex in Article 26 of the Constitution so as to make it unconstitutional to discriminate based on whether someone is male or female. Now listen carefully, he continues. It is for me to caution, however, this is strange, that this bill makes it clear that the existing exceptions will continue to apply. That is, to the exceptions would say that marriage is between male and female, that is still there in our marriage laws. He continues, he says, in particular, this bill will not make same-sex marriage lawful. So why, therefore, bring it up? Why, therefore, draw such attention to it? Such unions are already treated as void under the Matrimonial Causes Act, and the genesis of this particular legal position predates the Independence Constitution. This will not change under the proposed amendment to Article 26. And so I say to you, the Prime Minister himself actually drew special attention to the same-sex issue. It wasn't the church who brought it up first in this context, it was the Prime Minister. Now, of course, he was responding to some of the concerns of the passage and so on. But now let's go to the Commission when they turned in their report. It says, and I quote now from pages 37 and 125 of the Commission's recommendation, quote, the Commission recommends that sex be included in the definition of discriminatory in Articles 26.3 as one of the prohibited grounds of discrimination. This is an article that talked about race, creed, color, and so on. This is what he was talking about. He wanted the word sex now to be added to that grouping, making it the same as the other, as the other elements. You understand that? Once you bring that in there, you are then calling it the same thing as these other things. As a corollary to recommendation to 24, the Commission also proposes that an amendment be made to Article 26.4 to provide that no law which makes provisions prohibiting same-sex marriage of which provides for such marriages to be unlawful or void shall be held to be inconsistent with the Constitution. It goes on, this report, it says, reverting to the issue of the same-sex marriage, it is recommended that an additional subparagraph be added to 26.4 along the following lines. Paragraph one of this article shall not apply to any law so far as law, that law makes provisions for prohibiting same-sex marriage or rendering the same void or unlawful. In other words, it will stay intact that discrimination could be made in a marriage act when it comes to male and female, we could discriminate there. You understand? This is what they're talking about. Now, this is what they say. The effect of this would be to, to preclude any constitutional challenges. I want you to see, they are already anticipating constitutional challenges. They know this is going to leave room for constitutional challenge. If it was so positive that it couldn't be changed or anything, why even admit that there's going to be constitutional challenges to such a law based on alleged discrimination on the grounds of sex and makes the position clear 
that same-sex marriages are not permitted under our constitution and current laws. That's a lot of hogwash if you look at it. It's really a lot of words to say nothing if you really read it. Then he goes on. Notice what they said now, because remember, we're trying to answer the question, why bring it up? It's in no way related. Why bring up same sex? We saw that it was the prime minister who brought it up. Now we're trying to show that it's the commission themselves, the council is bringing it up. The commission would be remiss, remiss, were it not to record in this regard the large number of recommendations received, particularly from the religious community, to define marriage as a union between a man and a woman in the Constitution. That's what we were pushing for. That's why we met with the Prime Minister, two of them in two different governments, to try to get it as a part of the Constitution. If that was done, we wouldn't have this problem today. The reason why same-sex marriage then has become a major focus of this bill is because the Prime Minister and his specially appointed Constitution Commission have pointedly made it so. It was on their minds from the very beginning, and it is still on their minds. So big question is this. Why did the Prime Minister and his government re reject the Commission's recommendation to insert the proper amendments that would have made this bill superfluous? If they had done what the Commission recommended that they did, which they were appointed to do, to make recommendations, if they had accepted the recommendations, we wouldn't be talking about Bill 4 today. We wouldn't be talking about it at all. So let's take a closer look at Bill 4, the purpose of Bill. Bill, bill 4 seeks to provide constitutional protection for males and females against sex-based discrimination. But how many of you all have read the Constitution? I want you to raise your hand. How many of you are going to vote? Which you are going to vote or you read the Constitution? You know, you got to read the Constitution. See, I'm talking to some of you all now. You all don't understand a thing I'm saying because you have not read the Constitution. You better read the. You see, that's what happens. We're being led by people who know how to manipulate because we do not know the facts. It's very important. It is an established fact that our present constitution already takes care of this issue when it comes to discrimination against women, except in one area, which we'll talk about, and that's the automatic citizenship for children born out of wedlock. That is one of the only things we're not covered, and we can talk about it in a moment. Everything else when it comes to equality of the sexes or genders are being taken care of already in our constitution. So let me reread this. I'm trying to stick to my notes because I know I don't have the time to finish this, but there's so many things I want to. But listen, it is an established fact that our present constitution already takes care of these issues, except concerning the manner the matter of automatic citizenship for children born out of wedlock. That's one of the issues where women say they are not equal with men. But immigration policies and procedures, I believe, could compassionately and quickly handle this very legitimate concern without the legitimate fear of us as Bahamians promoting and encouraging an immoral society which this bill would do. I'll talk about it 
in a few minutes if I have time left. I saw a world report, for instance, recently that focused on a survey of countries that had the most women in leadership positions, CEOs. Do you know what? The Bahamas was number four of the top 10 in the world. Bahamas have more CEO, female CEOs than one whole major part of the world. And still they're fighting, they say, for equality. Women are making more money than men in the Bahamas. I also read a local report that more women are receiving higher educational degrees than men are. As one reporter put it this way, if you go to COB to see who is waiting for home to finish classes, you'll see the men sitting in the cars and the women walking out with books and briefcases in their hands. That's what we have today. We are living in a society where our women are really dominating the business worlds and the profession. In the banking area, in the, in the uh, insurance area, any way you want to look at it, the women are in lead, and they're doing a fantastic job. In fact, if there's anyone who should be complaining about equality now is men, <laughs> when it comes to this, you see? Now, so I say to you, as far as the current status is concerned, the Employment Act at present provides protection against discrimination on the basis of sex in all aspects of employment in the Bahamas. But now here's another critical fact, which is a reality and has bearing on our topic. The word sex is now being defined to include sexual orientation in many countries around the world. That is a fact. This is so in the United States, in the UK, in Australia, and many parts of the Commonwealth. The Caribbean area is being specifically targeted to make such changes in 2016 because the Commonwealth has always had laws against buggery. You know what buggery is, right? That's just another word for homosexuality or sodomy. Do you know that that is, you do, do you know that our laws legalize private sodomy? In other words, it's legal to sodomize in your bedroom or in a private club, but don't do it on Bay Street or in the square. That's against the law. But you could do it in a private residence, in a home, it's already set. That has already set the stage for what we're talking about. We don't see the dots being meeting together, and we need time to do that. So here's the possibility then because of our present situation. This bill could possibly lead to sex, which is a congenital fixed condition. That is a fixed condition to be equated. Now there's a difference between being equated to something and being equal to something when it comes to gender especially. Gender is now seen as a fluid status determining upon how you feel. If you feel like you're a man, that's your gender for the time that you have this feeling. You said that'll never happen? Famous last words, United States of America. Happening. This would fly in the face of the biblical teaching, and this is what I wanted to deal with this morning, but we just don't have that opportunity. This would fly in the face of the biblical teaching that human sexuality, 
made up of the polarity of masculinity and femininity. Notice the word polarity, two distinct aspects, male and female. And that was designed specifically by God to show what God is like, to reflect the imago Deo, the image of God. If we allow these things to happen as is happening in the States and Australia and UK and many other areas and now the Caribbean, God's image in mankind would be defaced and marred. And we as Christians would be allowing it if we don't see what's happening here theologically. And this is the area I wanted to spend time on, but you'll have to come to tell you also that, okay? Now, I believe there's a serious biblical implication involved here. So whereas I would say that my previous points were more local, political, pragmatic, and immediate in the implications, this one is more global, futuristic, and theological in its implications. But it is undoubtedly the one that is more serious or more relevant to us as believers and to see why the tie-in is so important with this bill. As far as the amendment itself is concerned, Please read it carefully. Now, if you go to vote and you don't understand it, you haven't read it, you haven't read the commission's report, you haven't read your constitution, you are doing yourself a disservice because you are voting ignorantly. And that's what the people are looking for. People who vote ignorantly, just determined by the guidance of people they see in the newspaper. The other day they had four or five prominent religious leaders talking about this bill and why they're going to vote yes across the board. And not one of them spoke from the Bible or gave a theological reason why they shouldn't do it. It was all political and sociological. And it's just a shame. And we've got to be more involved and more knowledgeable. It's true the Bible says lack of knowledge causes a people to perish. All right? Look at the amendment itself. Look at the wordings. Gender equality. You've got to be able to define gender, gender. Gender. You've got to be able to define equality if you're going to vote on this. Do you know what they mean? You think you might know what they mean. But what are they beginning to mean elsewhere? You say, well, gender means male or female. Not everywhere. And it's being changed. Equality means equality, but it doesn't mean being having the same uh, equivalence. It's a whole difference. We said in a moment. So I say this: Look at it. It's gender equality, not gender equivalence, not gender without distinction, but gender equality. That is what is being referred to here. It is my contention that this bill, because of its lack of clear definitions confuses, if not deliberately misleads Bahamian citizens into voting for one thing, but getting another. We might call this the old switcheroo trick. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what's happening here. Although I did not intend to remark on this other bill, although on other bills, though I did a little bit, I want to refer specifically proposed amendment number, th number three, that would offer rights to both unmarried male and females to automatically pass on Bahamian citizenships to the children. This is one of the areas where our women are really fighting for. 
We are not equal men because we cannot pass on our citizenship to our children. If you're married, you can. But if you're not married, you can't. Now, I'm asking you, why as a Christian woman would you want to have that right? For one thing, it's not a Christian act that you're looking at. They're talking about fornication. Children born out of fornication. That's what they're talking about. You get it clear in your mind. I believe there's a moral and biblical principle here that as Christians we must not overlook. This bill could unintentionally encourage fornication and unintentionally promote a lifestyle that destroys the true meaning of family and marriage of our Bahamian life. Thus, I believe to be truly equal and to protect the sanctity of our family life as well as the un as to uphold the dignity of citizenship, I believe another option should be offered to our citizens. One possibility is not the only one, but I believe one that is more based on biblical principles. One possibility could be to withdraw that right from unmarried men right now, thereby allowing only, thereby allowing citizenship only to be automatically passed on by married Bahamian spouses both male and female. That'll be true equality. So both the foundation of the sanctity of marriage as well as the dignity and of Bahamian citizenship would be protected. I'll say something more about this later on concerning the children who are affected if we have the time. But when it comes to, let me say right now, Pastor Elliot, whenever you want me to stop, say stop because I'm not gonna stop otherwise. All right? Actually, Pastor, I was gonna come and say continue. Oh boy, you become a real Bahamian. You become a real Bahamian. You'll be at peace about that. All right. When it comes to gender distinction and human sexuality, God is very clear. In fact, He is extremely clear on this issue. He made them male and female. Notice. There's nowhere in the Bible where you have a sliding scale or continuum here when it comes to sexuality. You cannot say, well, I want to be a little bit more male so I can push the scale a little bit more. You can't do that. It's male or female. Definitely there's a polarity between the, the sexes. There is specific and precise polarization of the sexes. You are either one or the other. No matter how you may feel, one day or the other. Now, I readily acknowledge that transgenders could well be the cause of natural but rare birth complications, which results in real and genuine emotional struggles with a very limited amount of individuals. However, like all such congenital implications, this can be corrected, and it should be corrective if at all possible. And if not possible, the individual is so affected should be treated by us as believers as we treat all people who are made in the image of God and accept them with dignity as such. Human beings they are, and we we'll see this. The Bible is very clear here when it comes to salvation and our spiritual standing before God. Male and female are equal. We're all sinners before God. We stand on the same basis and ground for a need of the grace of God 
in order to experience his redemption from any kind of sinful condition we may have. We are all equal and in need of God's gracious redemption. Paul talks about his in Galatians, speaking specifically to the Christians. Notice what he says. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized in one body and one spirit. We're talking about believers now. And we all share the same spirit. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That principle could be broadened to the us when it comes to sex. We are all equal before God. He does not in any way judge us on the basis of whether we're male or female when it comes to our standing before him. Jude, I'm sorry, not Jude, James talks about equality with the sexes as well. Not only the sexes, but people in general. This is what James says. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? He's talking about favoritism now, talking about cliques, he's talking about racism, he's talking about all these kinds of things. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Notice, evil motives. We have a lot of evil Christians when it comes to discrimination. A lot of evil Christians who will fight for this bill, but they'll discriminate against another brother or sister because of their color the race or something else, or because they might be a transgender or homosexual. That is sinful as well. Notice what James says. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't the ones, they the ones who will inherit the kingdom? He promised to those who love him. But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who press you and drag you into court? What he's just trying to show here, hey, there is a basic Christian commitment that we have before God to treat everybody equally in the sight of in every aspect. He deals with it. But when it comes to gender, when it comes to male and female, there are specific things that God tells us we must observe. Again, you'll have to come to tell you us for that one. I want to say this. We stand, therefore, firmly with the principle that males and females are to be treated equally when it comes to rights in, Bahim, in, the Bahim, in the Bahamas, in the Bahamian community. We believe that we should be treated equally. No prejudice or favoritism one way or the other. Equal pay for equal work. We all stand for and support such real and genuine equality. But we reject the possible consequences of this bill that, cover, that could have us saying that male and female are equivalent as to the essence or constitutional makeup that's created in the image of God. We can leave the door, we cannot leave the door open to a male or female somewhere down the slippery slope that we're trying to create right now to say that because I as a male have the right to marry a female, 
that that same right should be given to a female because she is equal with me. Or likewise, a female saying, because I am a female and have the right to marry a, to, the right to marry a male, a male should also have the right for him to marry another male. Why? Because he and I are equal under the law and constitution of the Bahamas. That is the door that could be opening now. You say, boy, if the now uncertain term sex is included along with the other items listed in our marriage act that defines who must not be discriminated against, such as race, religion, creed, and so on, then sex would lose its very soul. Sex would lose its nature or essence as designed by God. It would become merely another fluid trait that could be changed according to our feelings or the good presentation of a case before the Supreme Court by a good, powerful lawyer. You say this is far-fetched. I would say to you, those were probably the last words of the U.S., Australia and Canada also, before they opened the doors to same-sex marriage. And to be even more current and immediate and pragmatic, it is quite possible that Calvary Bible Church could be forced by law to change its church polity that now limits pastoralship to males only. Because you see, if women and men became equal in every area, a female could go to the law and have a good lawyer to cause Calvary Bible Church to be led by Andrea in the near future. <laughs> All right? You say that's far-fetched? No, it isn't. Do you know that there are churches in the U.S. now that are forced to hire a homosexual for organist or pianist or any other job if they say they cannot find somebody else or they qualify? They are forced to have it open. Now the Boy Scouts are forced to have homosexuals as leaders, the Boy Scouts. I remember years ago, we said that would never happen. Famous last words. Join the dots. That's all I'm saying. Look at what's happening here in Nassau. You say it couldn't happen here. I say to you again, those were undoubtedly the last words of evangelical churches in the U.S. who opposed homosexuality, who now have to hire homosexuals on their staff just to remain tax-free. Friends, at the, expense, at the expense of being called an alarmist, I say to you, the spiritual barbarians are at the gates. Our foundations are being threatened. Now, although I did not intend to remark on the other bills, I must refer again to propose amendment number three that will afford rights to both unmarried male and females to automatically pass on Bahamian citizenship to the children. I believe there's a moral and biblical principle here that must not be overlooked. I believe this bill could encourage, I'm repeating this because it's important for us to see this because this is a very sensitive one, one to women here. They feel if they lose this, they lose equality. I say there's one place you should lose equality is with this one. I believe this bill could encourage fornication and a lifestyle that destroys the true meaning of family and marriage. Just think of how many married men could commit adultery and father young behemoths without a family life. 
in spite of the some in spite of the safeguards they say they are putting in place to avoid it now this could become a real source of income for enterprising male bohemians and entrepreneurs our bohemian men are smart when it comes to this one and so to be truly equal and to protect the sanctity of our family life as well as the the sanctity of marriage and uphold the dignity of bohemian citizenship i would suggest that this right should now be removed from the unmarried father thereby allowing citizenship only to be automatically passed on by married bohemian spouses male and female that's true equality the government should then do its job and they can do it to protect the dignity of our citizenship and care for its citizenship by implementing legitimate compassionate and uncumbered procedures for the innocent children of such marriages to obtain citizenship in a timely way and to be treated humanely and with dignity while the process is taking place but that could be done in government itself not necessary to referendum the government has now even considered it I'm rather I'm sorry the government has not even considered this option or made it a choice for Bahamians people they have already made the choice for you they have fixed the table to come out the way they wanted to come out they will be satisfied with either choice that is why the leaders of both the transgender and homosexual committees communities rather have said that this is a good bill for all of them especially the transgender listen to uh the words of a news report members of the lesbian gay bisexual transgender lgbt community voiced support yesterday for the passing of four constitutional amendment bills one gender equality one gender equality tori como a transgender woman said the bills specifically number 4 the one we're talking about will help the lgbt community here's a quote As a transgender in the community, I feel like I have to stand up for my rights. Notice now, and this is a perfect bill. When you submit is perfect, you don't have to add to it or take away from it. This is a perfect bill for representing the transgender and the LGBT community in the Bahamas. End of quote. She told reporters in Washington Square, as the House of Assembly was voting on the bills, and I quote again. As far as my status as a trans woman, we are stuck in kind of the middle because I believe I am a woman, but the community at large sees us as a male, which yes. So if we go on a job or something, we get discriminated against. Notice now, she finalizes it says this. It is hard to get the opportunity we need as trans women. This amendment for giving rights to sex is perfect trans, for transgender community. Now, do we need any other reason to see why this is important for us? Now, getting back though to the bill as the gender distinction or human sexuality as opposed to social treatment of the sex I say again God is very clear in fact he is extremely clear on the issue he made them male and female and so on let me give a word of admonition i'm going to jump ahead 
Please now, as Christians, do not show any kind of hatred, disdain, or scorn toward the LGBT community, transgender or homosexual. Remember, they're not the same. There's a difference between transgender and homosexuals and lesbians. There's a great difference. We must bear that in mind. We must love them, accept them as people made in the image of God, just like you and me, who need to experience the grace of God in our lives at all times. They should be welcomed here in Calvary Bible Church just like everyone else and to show them the way Christians are to love people because they're made in the image of God. Let's show them what genuine Christian love is by love and accepting, but sharing the gospel, not shaping, not accepting their way of life, but as individuals. In summary then, we are concerned with same-sex marriage in the proposed amendment because those who were commissioned to look into the possible need for constitutional changes were concerned with it themselves. And in fact, they recommended that another amendment be made that would constitutionally clarify the issue once and for all. However, the government outrightly rejected the recommendation. They didn't even consider the recommendation. They rejected it. And so it begs some questions. One, why are voters in this referendum being denied the opportunity to amend the Constitution to define marriage as a union between one man and one woman? You give the Bahamians the right to do that and our problems will be solved. Number two, why did the government in the first instance not include recommendation 25 and bill, in Bill 4 as a corollary to recommendation 24 as proposed by the commissions in their report. And number three, why in the face of widespread outcry against Bill 4, did the government not accede to the request for a constitutional amendment to define marriage or at a minimum adopt the commission's own comforting provision in recommendation, in recommendation 25 as a corollary to recommend, recommend, recommendation number four. All we're saying is here, if the government would accept the recommendations to the people who they paid or at least encouraged or commissioned to come up with recommendations, you wouldn't have this problem. I wouldn't be here speaking to you today and taking up all this time. You wouldn't have all of the newspapers and all of the uh, talk shows dealing with this if they had followed the recommendation. You have to ask why? When you start looking back and you're seeing some dots here with the sodomy, law that was, that was passed overnight. It was done in the night, by the way, 12 o'clock in the night. Nobody, there are people here who do not know that sodomy is legalized privately. How many of you knew that that's already in the law? See, not everybody. It wasn't known. Even pastors didn't know until I brought up when I was dealing with something on a talk show one time, when I just mentioned it. Say, no, no, no. I said, oh, yes. A lady who I appreciate very much, she was one of my teachers, Dame Doris Johnson. They were dealing with abuse for women in the house, which is a, something we need to deal with. And she tied it on to that. And once that abuse law was passed, the repealing of the sodomy law was also done away with. And so we have legalized sodomy already. That's the beginning of the slippery slope. Now, as much as I would love, and I really mean this, 
to further delve into the political and relevant social battles involved here? That is not a part of my commission this morning. So I turn to simply say that what is at stake here for us as believers is to see that what is being subtly attacked here is the very foundation of marriage and family. And from a broader theological perspective, it's an attack on the imago Deo in man, the image of God in male and female. And I say to you again, this is a way of marring and destroying that image as behemoths. My point here is that we don't allow the politics of this situation to prevent us from seeing the serious spiritual implications and consequences involved in this process. We must not be myopic or short-sighted regarding the implications of this referendum. We just cannot stop here for today and just say, it only impacts me for a little while. No, no. From my perspective, a wrong answer to propose amendment number four could further the process of opening all kinds of doors for the complete reshaping of our children and grandchildren's future as a society here. We could turn our Judeo-Christian world upside down. We are already far along the path of secularizing and adopting humanistic mores that could well result in the complete loss of our Judeo-Christian way of life, thereby making the preamble to our constitution that calls for respect for Christian values and provide for nation founded on spiritual values obsolete and meaningless. We just as well to take that preamble out altogether. From a more global and futuristic perspective, we must also realize that we are in a global spiritual warfare in which the enemy is determined to remove our Christian foundations. Let me close. That's the first time I said it. Let me close this much abbreviated presentation by quoting from a part of a presentation I made elsewhere concerning this issue. Now that's really, really egotistical. I'm going to quote my own quotation, okay? Quote, over 25 years ago, in my open word TV broadcast, I predicted, and I have that in quotes, that homosexuals would be coming out of the closet and taking to the streets and media to openly and aggressively demand that their lifestyle be accepted as the norm. I was laughed at for saying that. But that prediction has become a reality. And I'm not a prophet or even the son of a prophet. But it came true. So I say to you, please hear me again. The gender equality referendum, although having certain immediate positive social and political benefits for women, will in the future, with specific reference to this bill, proposed bill number four, if passed, it will radically alter the social and religious life of all Bahamians by forcing us to adopt moral standards imposed upon us by a global committee outside of our own com commonwealth. This process has already begun by the numerous treaties, contracts, agreements that we have made with UN-related countries for, for economic reasons. Let me give you a quote from a respected lady or a lawyer. Now, usually, I would quote my favorite QC. But you see, my access to him has been radically hampered recently. So I have to get it where I can get it from. Here's what this lawyer said, and she was a female. She says, 
The simple insertion of the word sex into Article 26 could grant legitimacy to same-sex unions. She said the outcome of the decision on this bill would present legal challenges and have far-reaching social, political, economic implications for the Bahamas. This is how she goes about it. The Bahamas, over the past few years, have signed on to certain conventions and treaties that in many respects paved the way for expanded LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender rights in the country. Paving the way. See, that's what we're doing. Paving the way. You might say it won't happen now, but you're helping it to happen later on to our children and to our grandchildren. That's why I'm saying we cannot be myopic. We cannot be nearsighted here. Also, I'm almost finished my finishing statement. Let's look at how the term sex impacts hate speech in the Bahamas today. Guidelines as given by the IRCA. Do you know what IRCA is? How many of you know what IRCA is? All of you better start learning about IRCA. All right? Learning about this. This is the institution that is responsible for giving guidelines to what could be and what should not be said in the media, TV, radio, and so on and they're dealing with hate speech. Some governments has already included the term sexual orientation as a definition of sex. And I have a lot of quotations I could show you to back that up, but I don't have time to validate what I'm saying, so you just have to trust what I'm saying to be right, and then go look it up yourself. Google it. The point here is this. The silent influence and pressure from one source, the UN, Upon our one sovereign country, and I said once because we're not going to be sovereign more when it comes to mores, to radically change our local mores without the knowledgeable consent of our people. Today, consent, if gotten at all, is done so under the subtle and false means of contracts and other agreements. Or it's done in the middle of the night by our government as it was done in the sodomy case that legalized private homosexual acts by repealing our sodomy law. Proposed amendment number four could be such a trick of the hand movement for us as the, pay, as the, pay, the ways of being paved. Let me give you an example of how the parts have been put together that affect this global agenda that sometimes they don't put them together. A few years ago, when this IRCA thing first started, I was, an invi- I was invited by IRCA to be a part of a small group to discuss the implementation of their intended media policies, which has already been implemented. How many of you see the pop-up that comes after TV programs on, in Nassau now, saying that if, if you saw anything in this program that you didn't agree with or you didn't like, write to IRCA and so on. Didn't you see that? You think that's just a little insignificant thing? Uh-uh-uh. This has been placed in a way that's coming a day that will prevent us from saying anything negative against homosexuals, anything at all. It's already started. Now notice this. I was invited by Erica to be a part of a small group to discuss the implementation of the intended media policies, which has now been implemented, which was designed to put us in conformity with other nations that were related to the United Nations, as we were. 
specifically with regard to the hate speech bill. This hate speech bill was the result of a bill requested by the Islamic nations in the UN to prevent their profit from being criticized or blasphemed. That's where it started. But it was broadened by the UN committee to include all religions just to get the support. You understand what I'm saying? But it started originally from the Islamic nations trying to prevent other people from criticizing their prophet. The term sexual orientation was included in a grouping that was not to be criticized. I queried the committee that time whether the term sexual orientation, which was included in it, as used in the hate speech section, I asked whether it referred specifically to homosexuals. They said, no, it refers to sexual orientation. But I said, doesn't that mean homosexuals? They wouldn't admit to it. And I described to them the possible problems that this could cause if this was made a part of our IRCA agreement here. And I presented case studies from Australia and the UK to show that churches and Christians were already being sued by people because they were simply reading the scriptures in the public or because they simply said that homosexuality was a sin. They were being sued. And I said it could happen here because then we'd be impacting freedom of speech as well as freedom of religion. But you know what they told me? I'll never forget. Oh, no, no, no. That would never happen here. I say to you, mark those words. They assured me it was not a problem. It would not happen here. So I called the Chief Justice, who was sitting at that time. He happened to be a good friend because he was supposed to represent me with a case, but I won't go into all that. And so I asked him why the term could not be more, why didn't they say homosexuals or gay if they meant that? Why leave, that, leave the, word, the term just sexual orientation to rule out any questions in the future? You know what he told me? And he told me very bluntly. He says, Pastor Lee, this term undoubtedly refers to gays. But as far as removing it from this agreement is concerned, no way. I said, but that's going to be a problem for us here. He said, that may be true. And this is what he said, and I'll never forget it. He says, you all, meaning Christians, you all will have to fight that battle when the time comes. That's from the word from the mouth of a sitting attorney general at the time. You will he knew it was coming. In fact, he made a statement in 2013 that said this, and I quote, it is only a matter of time when the courts of the Bahamas will address the issue of same-sex marriage. That was 2013. I also have no doubt that in deciding the issue, we will have respect to decisions that emanate not only from the Commonwealth countries of which we are part, like Canada and Australia, but also from decisions of the courts in the United States of America. In other words, when this is challenged in the Bahamian courts, the Bahamian lawyers are going to draw in what's happening from UK, US, Australia, and other Commonwealth nations. I mentioned very briefly that, that uh, 
The common, the, the, not the Commonwealth, the Caribbean is a special target for this agenda now. It was specifically stated that they want to have all of these laws having to do with sex, uh, sex discrimination in any form or fashion to remove from all of the governments in the Caribbean. Do a Google search on what's happening in Grenada, what's happening in Jamaica, and what's happening in the Bahamas. You will see that they are already starting to shoot their bullets. All right. This same former Attorney General recently made a, state, a speech in which he gave wholehearted approval of all four of the proposed amendments and said that he will be voting yes across the board. I could have told you that way back, 10 years ago, that that's how he would vote, based on his relation to me. So I would say to you, that our foundations are now being destroyed, our Christian foundations are now being destroyed by those who are actually assigned to protect them. They're the ones who are destroying to you. So in closing, and I mean that this time, <laughs> I quote the former Chief Justice again. You will have to fight that battle when the time comes. I say to you, that time has come. And I am fighting. The question is, how about you? What will the righteous do? As someone has said before, Sila, think and act on these things. Thank you. Don't go away, Pastor. Don't go away. Pastor Lee. Pastor Lee, we all thank you very much for all the research you've done on this and the... This ain't all of it. This well, is only the introduction. The, 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 all that you've shared with us. We appreciate it. It's helpful. And uh, we know that you are positioned by God's grace and your training to think theologically through sociological issues. And you've done a lot of work. We want to thank you for being here. You also canceled a speaking engagement to be with us this morning. Let's show our appreciation. Thank you. Thank you.